the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. Today we continue in our series entitled Lines of Operation with a discussion on education. And this is an important part of our ongoing conversation, explaining from a military perspective how we bring our faith to bear throughout our lives. If you've missed the series so far, you can find the podcast at CourageousChristianity.today on your favorite podcast app or at KKHT.com. And joining us today is a very special guest, Dr. Mark Ballard. And friends, we don't have enough time to tell you everything there is to tell you about Dr. Ballard. Uh, I just found out in reading his curriculum vitae that he preached his first sermon at age 12. So how amazing is that? But importantly, he is the founding president of Northeastern Baptist College in Bennington, Vermont. And he sensed God was calling him to found this Baptist college even before attending college himself. And so he trusted in Jesus early as his Lord and Savior. And he's going to speak with us today about education. Dr. Ballard, welcome. Well, it's great to be with you, Richard, and appreciate uh, all that you're doing to bring awareness to the Christian community about uh, the battles we face today. Amen. Thank you, sir. Uh, It is a battle. And friends, as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wonderful wingman, Christy Stratton. Good morning, or whenever you're listening, hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, Dr. Ballard. <laughs> Hi, Christy. Good to, good to have, be on with you today. Before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views, and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in gratitude for the opportunity that we have to serve you. And in that gratitude, Lord, we ask you to guide us in everything we do that we may live our lives in devoted faith. 
In this struggling world, Father, we ask you to help us to be resolved in all we do as fathers, as mothers, as sons, as daughters, as friends, as fellow believers, as committed citizens of this great nation, as workers, and as stewards of all you give us. Help us, Lord, to be courageous as we strive to glorify your name. And today, Father, as we speak about the education of our children, we ask for your blessings on educators everywhere. In them you place a special trust and confidence. May they be emboldened as keepers of your truth, sifting through your word as written in the Bible. We ask for your blessings in this conversation on our listeners, and we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So friends, if you remember, Jacob Thompson was with us a couple months ago, and he counts Dr. Ballard as his mentor in Christ. And Jacob has moved up to the Northeast to join the staff of Dr. Ballard's university. And it's our honor to have you with us today, sir. Well, it is great to uh, be with you, and uh, certainly it's been wonderful having uh, Jacob up here with us. Uh, They moved in the uh, end of July, 1st of August, and they're all settled in and expecting uh, expecting an addition to their family any day. God bless him. Uh, Christy and I often tease about something he said on the show when he was (laughs) saying, uh, when it comes to your faith and, and living according to Jesus, he said, just get on with it. Don't tarry. Yeah. yeah, and he said, don't tarry. You better get on with it. He's the first person I've ever <laughs> heard it. used the word tarry in a sentence. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, Dr. Ballard, how long have you been an educator? Uh, well, that's a, that's a good question. I actually, uh, we started the college, uh, Northeastern Baptist College, in 2013, uh, August of 2013. But prior to that, when I was a church planter in New Hampshire, uh, we started a... Uh, Bible Institute. It was a two-year Bible Institute. It was uh, non-accredited. It was really geared towards training people who had a degree maybe in business or engineering or something else, but were called later in life uh, into ministry. And we're going to serve the Lord here in the Northeast, and so we trained them in uh, Bible theology, ministry training, that kind of thing. So all together, um, I have been, and that was in 2000, so 21 years I've been involved in, in higher education. 21 years, fantastic. Have you seen a lot of changes over that time? <laughs> Without question. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about it. There's a, a lot of changes just in education in general and delivery methods. For instance, uh, the online format and so forth. When we were starting a Bible Institute, that was a new thing, uh, at least among Christian institutions. And uh, so that that uh, delivery method, uh, the the delivery method of doing kind of like a modified residency where students will come in for a week at a time, which nearly every uh, institution of higher learning does that uh, a few times a year to allow people to either get ahead on their degree that are traditional students or to allow people to take degrees that are not able to, you know, be on campus. And so... There's been a lot of changes in the delivery method, but there's also been a lot of changes uh, just in um, in the way people approach education uh, from a from a worldview, uh, particularly in the secular world. Uh, but even even among Christian institutions, um, I've noticed a lot of changes in the last 21 years, without without question. 
So when you say uh, approach has uh, changed from a world view, what do you mean exactly? Well, um, so we're talking about a, a biblical worldview, uh, which worldview, of course, has to do with who we are, uh, where we come from, where we're going, what's most important, purpose in life, those kinds of questions, which are questions that people all over all over the world ask. That's part of being human. And uh, our, the, the source that we look to for those answers uh, determines uh, the way we think about a lot of things in the world. And those basic concerns that we have actually impact uh, everything we do from, from education to uh, how we live and operate within our community, in our home, and in our religious uh, background and so forth. And so when I speak of a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview is probably the better term that I'm talking about, that we allow the Bible to be that uh, authority in our life to make those decisions for in every area. As you were speaking, what came to mind was Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And sometimes oh. I have this picture in my head of what the conversation would have looked like, actual like body oh. language and stuff. And and I'm thinking about Jesus saying, a man must be born again, and Nicodemus looking at him and saying, what, do you have to get back into your mother's womb? And yeah. I have this picture of Jesus just looking at him like, <laughs> what? Huh. huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it, it's it, an it, interesting point because, you know, all we have to relate is what we see. And so yeah. sometimes we try and put the spiritual in the context of the world because it's kind of uh-huh. natural, because that's what we see, as opposed to putting the world in the context of the spiritual and knowing uh-huh. that truth and freedom. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, Very so, good point. So poor Nicodemus. So I think sometimes it happens by accident that we look at uh, heaven with our feet firmly planted on earth, and then through religion we tell God what we think of him, as opposed to in heaven looking down on the earth and saying, okay, what that's going on down here is of lasting uh-huh. value, and what am I going to do? Uh-huh. So, um, seems a little backwards. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like it is backwards, and we come to it naturally. What's interesting is I've always looked at the Ten Commandments, and I've thought about how the first four are about God, and then through five, honor thy father and thy mother, we actually transition to worldly concerns, and then six through mm-hmm. ten are about worldly things. Uh-huh. And you figure a baby is born, the first thing it knows is its mother and this world. Then you look backwards, and it's through the love of the parents and honoring the mother and the father that we then can understand the love of God. Absolutely. So, so I think it happens Absolutely. honestly that we get uh, that we come to it backward. So uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you've been doing this a long time, and you're in the Northeast yes. because... Jacob mentioned that that was an unchurched uh, area of the nation. That's that is correct, and of course, uh, you know that's that's kind of strange when you look look at our uh, history as a nation. Uh, the uh, the Great Awakening, uh, the, the Second Awakening, um, all of the work of D.L. Moody, um, and and uh, even even for me as a Baptist, you know, the first Baptists in America were in Rhode Island. Uh, the first Baptist Church ever started in the South was started by a group of people from Maine and New Hampshire that moved to the South to start a church. Um, and so this area was once uh, the Bible Belt of the nation, uh, but 
for over 100 years, that has not been the case. Um, Richard, if you were to come up and, and go for a ride with me around Vermont, uh, we would see uh, a two to three church buildings in every community, even if the community only has two or three hundred members, uh, you know, a population in it, there would be two or three church buildings. Uh, in fact, the, the most the most scenic view of Vermont that is publicized worldwide is a picture of a small village with a uh, church with a white steeple. Uh, however, most of those churches have been closed for at least 60 years, and many of them for over 100 years. Mm. Uh, they just uh, have sat empty. Uh, there was an endowment. There was uh, a trust fund set up, and a bank or a lawyer or someone pays someone to keep it up and make it look nice and and uh, paint it every so often, keep the grass mowed, but, but there's actually nothing going on there. So for the last hundred years, uh, New England has, has really been void of the gospel, and particularly the state of Vermont uh, has been the uh, least churched state in the nation for several years. Uh, next is New Hampshire, which is, which is our neighbor here. But uh, in both of those, most counties have around 2% that claim to have a relationship with Jesus. So wow. this area that once had a Baptist church in every, in every town, a congregational church in every town uh, today, um, is among the least church. And we meet people all the time that have never been in a church building in their oh, entire life. Shame. That is heartbreaking to hear. Friends, we're talking with Dr. Mark Ballard. And we're going to dig into education as a line of operation, as part of our Lines of Operations series. Stay with us. We'll be back. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281 281- Eight zero zero four nine four zero, and for a donation of twenty five dollars or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, "Right Makes Might: Forty Days to Courageous Christianity." You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to courageouschristianity.today. today. So, text to donate to two eight one eight hundred forty nine forty, or go to courageouschristianity.today. today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. I counted the streetlights as we headed up to the chapel to pay our last Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking with Dr. Mark Ballard, the founding president of Northeastern Baptist College in Bennington, Vermont. And we're talking about education as a line of operation as part of our series where we've said that in irregular warfare, insurgency and counterinsurgency, there's no geography, there's no physical terrain because it's about ideas and it's about hearts and minds. And so the way we bend the enemy to our will and the way we put people to a decision, modeling faith and giving them the opportunity to know the truth about the gospel 
is through lines of operation, which are categories of influence. And so one of those that we are talking about today is education. And so the enemy is attacking our children through the education system. And they are attempting to put our children to a decision. And we spoke a couple months ago with Pastor Jeff Neal from the Logos Community Church. And we were talking about how young people are leaving the church in droves. And it reminds me of Afghanistan, where one of our missions was to help build schools and to provide security as State Department interests built schools. And so we were very excited. There were more girls attending school and there were more children in school. And it was a real ray of sunshine. And then at night, the Taliban showed up and they would burn the schools and they would threaten the parents and they would threaten the teachers and they would threaten the children. And they did not want the children to know the freedom and prosperity that education gives us. And my personal opinion is that things are not so different in the United States. Dr. Ballard, how does Uh that strike you? Well, um, obviously, with you making a statement like that, people are going to say, well, wait a minute, you know, we don't have anybody going around burning schools and destroying them in that way. But I think really at the heart of of your statement is real education. Uh, Real education uh, is something that, that helps people be aware of what is going on in the world, but it also allows for a person to... Uh, learn about things that maybe their teacher might be opposed to. So, for instance, um, uh, just give you an example. Actually, I, I don't think this is new. This goes back quite some time uh, in our country. So, for instance, when I was in college uh, many years ago in Dallas, Texas, and I went to a college called the Criswell College uh, right there in Dallas, Texas, and uh, we had a guy come. Uh, he was a novelist. Uh, his name was Mike Bryan, and Mike Bryan came to spend 18 months with us at the college. And he was doing this to research a book uh, that he was going to write that uh, was called A Skeptic Revisits Christianity. And so Mike Bryan uh, was a skeptic. He had really not been in church since uh, confirmation uh, as in the Episcopal faith. Um, he had gone on with his life. But uh, something told him he needed to revisit and find out whether or not it was it was real. And so he asked around, said, where do I go if I want to see real biblical Christianity? He was recommended to our school, and he came, and, and he spent 18 months with us. He went to classes with us. Uh, he went on uh, trips, uh, mission trips and other things with us. Uh, he listened to the discussion and the debates. Uh, that took place in a in a, uh, a college that was built on a biblical worldview. When he was finished, he wrote a book called Chapter and Verse, A Skeptic Revisits Christianity. And when he uh, laid it out, he basically said, if I was going to describe what I learned at Crystal College, it would be a true liberal education. He went on to explain what he meant by that. All all worldviews and all points of view on a theological topic or on just a, a topic of history, whatever it would be, was explained, explored, and then evaluated for strengths and weaknesses. And he said, that never happened in my education. 
what happened in my education was that I was given a secular worldview, and any anybody who tried to raise a biblical worldview or a question from a biblical worldview would be ostracized, made fun of, and shut down. And there would be no explanation or, or exploration of their their statements. So while we might speak of critical thinking and academic excellence, in reality we're shutting down and we are we are simply trying to put forth a single worldview. Now certainly that is happening in education all across the United States, particularly in in non private educational institutions from kindergarten all the way through higher education. Yeah, so that's... in that sense, absolutely. Absolutely. There's true education is being uh, is being altered in this country. And, and you know what's ironic is the word liberal used to be somebody who was open-minded, and now liberal is somebody who is incredibly closed-minded, and you talk about this mm. pushing of a worldview. So I went to Duke University, and the motto of Duke University is eruditio et religio, uh, erudition mm. through religion. And it's that thinking that says we're allowed to explore all of these. God gave us this ability so we would do it. And Uh I have to tell you, I wrote a paper. uh, I was in this uh, Vietnam literature course, and I was there uh, as a Marine officer candidate. And I read this book, wrote a paper about it, and my very liberal seminar leader gave me a C. Now, I'm not Uh saying I'm the world's greatest writer, but I'd never really had a C before. And it was really about the fact that he didn't like what I had to say. And more than that, he didn't like me because sometimes I came to class in a uniform. And so uh, you're right. I was seeing it even then. And it's heartbreaking because, well, I shouldn't say it's, it is heartbreaking, but it's the obvious work of the devil. And uh, going at our children like that, pushing a view on them, a worldview. And what I don't understand about that, and maybe you can educate me, is what about their view is working? What about their worldview is making our children feel free or making them feel good or helping them to understand life and life's struggles in a meaningful way? What about their view is working? That's a that's a very good question and a question that uh, that uh, they probably uh, people that uh, that approach education that way probably don't want to answer uh, don't don't even want to think about that because ultimately it's leading to more and more despair uh, more and more difficulties uh, Rich we don't we don't uh, have to look very far to recognize that uh, we're having problems in schools that uh, we never had uh, pre-1960. You know, people worried about, uh, you know, being kept after school for chewing gum or something, you know. And and today, uh, parents, uh, at least in our area, parents are pulling their kids out of uh, secular secular schools, even if they're not Christians, simply because they're afraid for their, their children's lives. And they're afraid for, you know, some of the agenda that's out there for instance, the the transgender issues that are out there. You know, I I don't know secular parents that uh, do not want uh, you know a, a boy in their in their daughter's uh, gym locker room. Uh, my for instance, my own my own chiropractor uh, right here in, in Vermont. He's not a 
he's not a thoroughgoing Christian. Uh, he was brought up Catholic, doesn't really go to church very often. Um, but uh, he and his wife are very deeply concerned about their children being in a public school setting because of these issues we're talking about. And so all of that is, is certainly the, the fruit of this educational experience that that is, is not true liberal education, as, as we were talking about a few moments ago. Yeah, they don't want our children to think, because then they could come up with their own uh, view of things, and God forbid that view should be from the Bible. I think about the narrow road that leads to Christ. And I think oh. about, I often have this visual in my head of this narrow road with those uh, like freeway barriers on each side of it. And those freeway barriers are the Word of God, and they're God's oh. teachers, and they're God's pastors. And they provide a, a barrier between this narrow road that leads to Christ and the ditch on the other side. And all of this progressive nonsense has lowered those barriers to such an extent that it's easy for our children to get two wheels off the pavement and not even know it because they, uh, uh-huh. there's so much time spent telling them, oh, this is normal and this is okay and this is okay. And then they find themselves in the ditch of life, whether it's because of these twisted opinions or twisted perspectives or twisted views of themselves. And it's right. heartbreaking to me. Um, but uh, I heard so many things in what you were saying, and this one scripture uh, comes to mind, James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow mm-hmm. believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Mm-hmm. So I try very hard on the show with Christie's help to make sure everything we say is scriptural. Mm-hmm. And and if it's not from the Bible, then uh, I don't want to say it, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of responsibility for us teachers. And uh, there's a lot of responsibility for parents in the way we uh, allow our children to be educated. And there is an entire campaign leveled against them. And we were talking about what about those perspectives is working. And then I think what might happen in that conversation is that progressive person would say, well, look at all the damage that's been done in the name of religion. And so, friends, the thing that I would want to say is there is a big difference between faith, the Word of God, the love of God to sacrifice his son for our sins, and religion. Religion is man's codification of that faith. And anything you get man involved in, he's going to make a mess of. And so big shock, in religion, there have been messes made, and there have been things done wrong. But in this current world view, which thumbs its nose at God, and all of his gifts, and all of his rules, and all of his guidance. We are all ending up in the ditch, and our children are paying the price for that. And it it is heartbreaking, and if we're in this place now, what comes next? Because things don't fix themselves. So we're going to start talking a little bit with Dr. Mark Ballard about what our responsibility is as teachers and parents. Stay with us. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now, our veterans need your help. 
Hi, friends. I'm Christy Stratton, Richard Mindelow's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives in military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, for almost 18 months, Christy Stratton has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of courageous faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings us to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical and behavioral assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You will want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over the last 72 shows on Courageous Christianity, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour with Christy Stratton every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. What a friend we have in Jesus. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. We're talking with Dr. Mark Ballard, and we always love the voice of Chad Strader as he reminds us what a friend we have in Jesus. And this morning in my devotional time, I was thinking about how it must have felt to God to look down on his son on the cross and I just have trouble uh, when my son has to pay for an expensive car repair looking at that and not wanting to help him and feeling torn about uh, not helping him. And I can't imagine how that feels to God. And so we make, uh, we sin, and then we should be seeking contrition and we should be sacrificing. But instead, God sacrifices his son for us. And I can't imagine that. I can't even fathom that. And that's the place where we come from as Christians, not a religious place, but a place where we know the Creator said, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts. So it's with that heart that we approach the subject of education today to talk about our opportunity to be the first to influence our children. Because the truth is, if we're not influencing them, who is? 
And so the truth is that progressives are influencing our children. The education system shaped by progressive is influencing our children. And our children are struggling. Tom Stevens, a licensed therapist who sees the damage to children and families, confirmed it on a recent show. Statistics regarding skyrocketing anxiety, the overuse of behavioral medication, rising obesity and sex education, and the tragedy of teen suicide all confirm it. And here's an irony. Even the deceit of the enemy is made evident by the enemy himself. Progressives control the media and nobody forces them to do anything. And yet if you watch the TV for 10 minutes, you'll see two or three commercials for drugs which supposedly treat our children's suffering. They don't realize that their dedication to advertising these drugs gives away the failure of their beliefs and their thoughts. Their hyping drugs relentlessly confirms the misery which results from their godlessness. If what they were doing and saying and teaching was working, why would our children need all of those drugs? They'd be happy and perfect, right? And so the truth is that progressive methods, beliefs, and values are not working. As a society, we've turned our backs on God, and these drugs are necessary to treat the pain that results from that. And so that's the situation. Christy always says, start with what is real. When you're trying to understand a problem, start with what is real. And what is real is that the world is leaning on our children. And we wouldn't tolerate it if we were in a store, and we shouldn't tolerate it in the education that's paid for by our tax dollars, nor the very expensive private educations that we all save lifetimes to provide for our children. So, Dr. Ballard, what do we do as parents, as uh, the influences of our children, how do we uh, make this work? Well, that's, a, that's the best question you could be asking today, Richard. Um, the, the fact of the matter is is that uh, God ordained three institutions. Uh, there's a lot of institutions in the world, but there are only three that God has ordained. Uh, the, the first one is the home. Uh, then, of course, the government and then church. But God ordained first the home, and the home is crucial to everything that we do. In fact, uh, the other two institutions that uh, are, are God-given institutions and have a role to play, uh, they will fall short without the home. In fact, they can't even really survive without the home. And I believe, Richard, that that's one of the reasons the home is, has been under attack so badly the last hundred years, uh, here in the Western world at least, or in the United States. And the fact of the matter is, is that parents make all the difference in the world. Richard, let me give you a quick example of that, and that comes from, from my own life, and then I want to want to point us to a couple things biblically. But, but, you know, I look around sometimes at polls that are out there, and, of course, you never know exactly what to think of that. But then just in conversations, and, and I talk to people even my own age, you know, in their 50s, and, and certainly anybody younger than that, and, and, and I wonder how in the world... Um, they live, do they live in the same country I do? Were they brought up with the same history I was brought up with? Uh, I, I mean, because everything seems so different. And, and I wonder, what is the difference? And, and Richard, it was the home I was brought up in. You, you mentioned earlier that I came to faith in the Lord Jesus at a young age. I, I preached uh, the first time. I was called to preach when I was 10. I preached the first time at 12 years old. Um, all of my brothers and sisters, I'm the youngest of nine kids. And all of them are following the Lord. Uh, I've got several in my family that have been missionaries, preachers, 
got uh, got you know nephews and nieces that are preachers and and missionaries and starting churches and different things like that and and basically they operate day in and day out to make decisions from a biblical worldview as you do and as so many others do but what is the distinction and and I'm convinced that the distinction is the parents and it's it's the role that the parents play uh in their lives uh we can go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 when the Lord uh gave just before Moses in life came to an end the Lord gave Moses a word for the children of Israel, beginning in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as uh, frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them in the uh, doorpost of your house and on your gates. Really, Richard, what this is talking about is the parents' role is to educate their children in every sphere of life. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're sitting down and, and we're in lecture style here and I'm lecturing you, although there's a place for that. But it means throughout all of life. You know, going for a walk, uh, going hunting with my dad when I was a kid, and him him pointing out things to me that was part of God's creation and teaching me about God uh, through that process. Uh, having parents who, who, yes, we did have a, a family time every day where the Bible was read and we and we prayed together as a family, and that had a, had a major impact on all of our lives. But beyond that, it was how our parents lived their lives and how they taught us as we went. Education was so crucial. And, and you know, Richard, we see it in the New Testament. Uh, we see young Timothy, uh, who, who certainly was uh, grew in his faith uh, under the Apostle Paul. But Paul himself acknowledges that that's not where his faith started. It started in his grandmother and his mother, who, who brought him up in the Scriptures. And so, so really, the parent role is so crucial. Well, I think I heard so much in there. Um, thank you very much for those for those uh, words. And I've seen it in combat where things are totally confusing, but decisive leadership uh-huh. makes things clear. So we've talked about the word obfuscation, which Christy loves every time I say it, and it's the devil's attempts to muddy everything, to confuse everything. I thought of political correctness as the veil we pull down in front of issues to stop from having to really look at problems in their full context and to just have these glancing, confused conversations that lead to nothing. And we're also not talking about religion we're not talking about man's view of God. We're talking about God's view of man as Amen. explained to us in his heart by his gestures. I've told you, Jeremiah chapter 3, God says, I thought you would call me father and I would give you a land like no other. And that's the heart of God, this loving oh. father. And our children are confused. And so the decisive leadership in this combat zone of parents to make things clear so that children understand God's heart, not religion, not not uh, church for an hour on Sunday, but genuine 
uh, heart of God. So, Dr. Ballard, that is absolutely fantastic uh, to think about the decisive role parents play. And friends, obviously, absolutely, obviously that that starts with your own relationship. Your own relationship has to be right. Mm. And it, it, mm-hmm. it's it's not a religious thing. It's it's you thinking about your many blessings and how God uh, is involved and participates and his face is always turned towards you. And you mm-hmm. have but to seek him as uh, the prodigal son sought his father when he found out that the ways of the world had failed him. And so uh, it's an amazing thing. This battlefield where uh, progressives and all of their failed ways, where they keep saying, oh, we're going to try it again. This time we're going to get it right because the last time they tried it, it was wrong, whether it was socialism. I mean, think about this for a second, Dr. Ballard. The guy who invented socialism couldn't make it work. The guy who invented communism couldn't make it work. And yet we have these progressives running around in this nation saying it's going to fix everything. And it's mm. unbiblical, and it's not going to work because nothing that mm. goes against the ways of God will prevail. So Amen. as we move toward the end of this third segment, I would like to ask you, just this has been on my mind, what did you preach when you were 12? <laughs> that first sermon, what I, was it about? Uh, it was a uh, 12-minute sermon, uh, but it had an exposition, illustration, and application and an invitation to respond, and it was uh, it was all based on Ephesians two eight and nine, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And uh, I illustrated it by by giving a quarter away. From, that's all I had at twelve years old. <laughs> by giving a quarter to anybody that would come and get it, <laughs> and uh, and then I uh, wow. invited people to uh, trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. And uh, and because it is what you said earlier um, when you were talking about Nicodemus. Nicodemus had religion, uh, but Jesus was talking about a relationship that is based upon Christ's sacrifice for our sins, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And uh, today he offers that to any of your listeners, to all of us, if we will turn from our sin and trust Christ. And then from that, as parents that we teach that to our children as well as all of the counsel of God through his word. Amen. Amen. That is a fantastic way to close the third segment. Friends, we're talking with Dr. Mark Ballard about education. Stay with us. We'll be back with the fourth segment on Courageous Christianity. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281 656 1833 or email us at courageouschristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at courageouschristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, you're back with Courageous Christianity. I'm Richard Mendelow, and we're talking with Dr. Mark Ballard. 
And Dr. Ballard up in the Northeast leads a wonderful institution, which our friend Jacob Thompson serves. Dr. Ballard, if our listeners want to contribute, how do they do so? Uh, Absolutely. You can go to our website, which is www.nebcvt.org. And you can click on Give, and there's all kinds of information about giving and what your gift will do. And then there is a place to give now. There's also an address there that you can mail a gift to, uh, to the attention of the Advancement Department or to the President's office. And uh, we we live and survive uh, on trusting God and the gifts of God's people. Well, friends, one of the strategies, in fact, the main strategy in counterinsurgency is clear, hold, and build. You go into a place that the enemy has, and you plant a combat outpost, and you clear the enemy out of that, you hold that position, and then it's from there that you do your patrols and go and do your work. And then other combat outposts are placed in other places, and as the work uh, produces fruit, then they link up. It's called the inkplot theory of counterinsurgency. And so the courage of everybody up there to have been placed in that unchurched area of the nation, which is uh, in darkness and also cold a lot of the time, which is sad to me because I don't (laughs) like the cold that much. But you have an opportunity to contribute to Dr. Ballard's courageous work, and that's www.nebcvt.org. So N-E-B-C and then V-T like Vermont.org. Dr. Ballard, as we wrap things up on our discussion of education, what final thoughts do you have for our listeners? Well, I would really just want to summarize it this way. Um, First thing that you can do to make a difference in your children's lives is follow the Lord yourself. Uh, All that my parents taught us would not have mattered if they didn't live it themselves. Uh, Secondly, I would say do teach it to your children. And then third, and really what I think is so crucial Sometimes in the midst of all that we deal with and all the battles, and and these days it seems like every time you you turn around, it's another battle, a battle in education, a battle uh, in the political world, in the media, whatever it is. But in every battle, we've got to decide how we're going to fight. And God's Word is so clear that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that is God's Word and prayer. As we stand on God's Word, proclaim God's Word, speaking the truth in love, as we're told to in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, and then as we pray for our children, pray for our leaders, God does absolutely amazing things. Even when people tell you they don't believe the Word, you quote it to them because it's powerful. So I would just encourage your your leaders, make sure you stay close to Jesus, growing in your relationship with him. Communicate that relationship to your children, and remember that your, your two greatest weapons are the Word of God and prayer. Amen. Friends, you've just heard the truth from Dr. Mark Ballard. Our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the darkness and the evil and those who are duped by it. And... Our weapons transcend this world. 
And that brings us to our moment of truth. As you know, in every show we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. And we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant, and that it never fails. And today we have two verses to consider in our moment of truth. The first comes from Psalm 78, verse 5 through 7, which speaks to the importance of teaching children the ways of God. And it says... He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the generation yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Set their hope in God. Friends, our children need hope. They need hope in the truth not hope in drugs. And uh, our next verse is from Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. And it says, Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And what that says to me in this discussion is that when we don't bring our children up in the ways of the Lord, that failure takes generations to work its way through their lives, and we can't allow that as combat leaders. So we live in a world that would rather kill children yet unborn than teach them the ways of God. If you're on the fence about the reality of spiritual warfare and about the fact that our battle is against the principalities of evil, then that should push you off the fence. In 1962, progressives did away with prayer in school. A decade later, they rejoiced as abortion was legalized. Their leaders were men like Saul Alinsky, who dedicated his book, Rules for Radicals, to Lucifer. And I've looked at the book, I've read the book, as painful as it was, and the dedication is to Lucifer. And you may remember that whole discussion because Hillary Clinton admitted that she was a devoted follower. So modern politicians are devoted followers of men who dedicated their rules to Lucifer. And 50 years later, our children are still in a fight for their lives. Progressives have stolen God from them, and it threatens their very lives, spiritual and physical. The children of this nation are without hope because they don't know of his works or his relentless love. Contrary to popular belief, medication is not the answer. God is the answer, and it's up to each of us to teach them. So, friends, we're spiritual warriors. We contend at the intersection of faith and the secular world like Marines. We stand on the wall. And though we may be prophets and evangelists, encouragers, teachers, caregivers, and more, we fulfill these roles in the context of the battle between good and evil. And that makes us warriors on a very real battlefield. And I speak to you now as those warriors, and I want to make two points. Please hear these. First... We're more than just watchmen on that wall. We have an offensive mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And that mission begins at home when we focus on making disciples of our children. Second, I believe that we cannot fully understand that mission unless we look at it through the lens of irregular warfare, which is a violent struggle for influence and legitimacy over a group of people. Education is a front in that battle against godlessness, and it is this simple. Nobody should have more influence over your children than you. Period. And so our last line of operation focuses on education. Education will change generations 
to come, and Scripture tells us that. It must center on God and look at the world from His perspective, not the failed perspective of little men and their little schemes to glorify themselves and Lucifer. And that brings us to our quote of the day, which comes from the famous Chinese philosopher, poet, and politician, Confucius. It is believed that his teachings formed the basis of Eastern Asian culture and society, and he said this, If your plan is for one year, plant rice. If your plan is for 10 years, plant trees. If your plan is for 100 years, educate children. Friends, the oppositional forces have planned for hundreds of years, and they plan now still, and their plan is to educate our children in their ways, and we have to fight for that influence. So we will either educate our children in the ways of God, which lead to abundant life, freedom, and peace, or we will sit back and watch progressive bend their minds to their failing, miserable, and tragic manipulations. We must choose, and then we must take action, and it is of the utmost importance, and it will affect generations to come. And so how does that action look? Well, Dr. Ballard said that parents have a critical role. He said they make all the difference, and it made all the difference for him. Decisive leadership in combat, and parents are that decisive leadership. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, says, Teach these things diligently to your children. So first and foremost, your own relationship with Christ must be genuine. It's not about religion. It's about your heart's pursuit of God. Asking, seeking, knocking. And he promises that to, to those the door will be asked, uh, opened, like the kid who came up and got the quarter that Dr. Ballard was giving away in his sermon when he was just 12 years old. God bless his sweet little heart. So if you want to change one thing in your house today, start saying grace before meals. If our, culture's inc- if our culture is incredibly entitled, then start with gratitude. All things begin with gratitude. Gratitude for the gospel of Christ, the gratitude of our Lord who gave his son. And so that's one thing that you can do immediately. And it's up to you. So to sum up, making disciples begins at home. Education is the main effort in our struggle as Christian warriors to assert God's influence and legitimacy over our children, and that is courageous Christianity. Dr. Ballard, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I would look forward to visiting you up there. Absolutely. Cold or not. (laughs) Come on, we've got a little bit of snow on the ground, uh, but not much, and tomorrow it's going to be 50 degrees, so it'll all be gone. Okay, so should we wait till summer then? (laughs) (laughs) I want to see that little church. I do too. Uh, Absolutely. Friends, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but next week we'll wrap up our series on lines of operation, and we will have a huge announcement for you, and it's really huge. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for joining Christy and me today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word, at kkht.com or on courageouschristianity.today or your favorite podcast app where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify. Yeah. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.